So we pray for uh, heaven to come to earth. That's his game plan. Do you know his game plan? Anointing on you. This, this series is his game plan. Um, he loves you so much, he's chosen to do it with you. He's not going to do it without you because he loves you that much. It's going to be the spirit upon. Um, in fact, uh, I just want to... All right, I'm already blowing up the game plan. I want to say that I'm skipping, I'm skipping. I want to say, do you know that anointing is all about the government of the kingdom? You know that all government is for the good of the people, or at least it's supposed to be. I mean, we have world governments that are, that are not established at all for that purpose. But in God's design, all government is for the good of the people. It's for, it's for blessing, it's for protection, it's for empowerment of its citizens. That's what it's supposed to be. And God's government is exactly like it's supposed to be. Do you know... Um, in a series, a teaching series like this, when we talk about anointing, we are talking all about the government of of the kingdom of God, right? What is uh, the Christmas verse? Um, we think of it as a Christmas verse. It's just a reality verse. And the government will be upon his shoulders. What is that about? <laughs> he's the he's the head honcho of the kingdom. He's the king. In other words, the government, all authority has been put under his feet so that, so that all the authority of the government is upon his shoulders. How does he execute his government upon the earth? Point at yourself. You're the execution of the government of God on this earth under the headship of Jesus. Now, it does require headship. So let me just tell you... Um, I, I, I'm not sure how many, at least two messages, because I know there's another one besides this morning, probably three, maybe more. These are some of the messages that I kind of quiver when I come up here. I'm doing this out of obedience. I know I'm supposed to speak this, and we'll put where you send the hate mail up on the screens in a little while, because we're going to be talking about submission as the doorway to, to, um, what, to your anointed role. Okay, we never like to hear about submission. But let me tell you something. It's one of the most critical things of the kingdom of God to understand because the kingdom of God operates on a government. There are courts that words issue out of, and if we are going to be a part of the movement of God in the Holy Spirit, in other words, have that effective presence of God upon, have that anointing upon, then we are the people of his government. He's not going to empower us to operate by another government. You know, the government we operate by most of the time, our own. <laughs> That's it. I, we're very focused on politics and, uh, and, you know, governments and what's going on in government. Um, and we're, we're actually going to talk a little bit about that, not this morning. Um, I'm going to avoid it like the plague this morning. Um, but we are going to talk about it because I'm going to tell you, we get all wrapped up in stuff around here, and it's not the government of God. And it's so important. You know, distraction <laughs> will tear you out of your calling as fast as anything else. Do you know that? Now, I have to say this. I have kind of a warm-up for us. You know, the anointing upon you, which is a person, right? We seek a person, not a mysterious power. We seek a mysterious person of the Holy Spirit. And the anointing upon you... Um, is a good thing for you, right? But do you know that the presence of God is not good, to, is not good for everyone? <laughs> That's a weird statement, huh? But I want you to think about this for a minute. The presence of God for those that are not in submission to the government of God, it's a horrible thing. And the evidence is all, is all through the scriptures, Okay, um, you think about the presence of God when he was freeing his people from Egypt brought about horrible plagues on the people. That was the presence of God that brought that about for people who weren't with him. Um, the presence of God brings confusion on the enemies of God where they literally start slaughtering each other and getting out of the way. That's the presence of God. Do you know the presence of God is, a, is it's described as a wind? It's mysterious. You can't understand it. The Word of God says you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It blows as it will, as he will. 
Okay, it's described as a fire. And only what can pass through the fire, only what survives the fire is what's left as offering to God, a living sacrifice, but only what survives the fire. It's a winnowing fork. Do you know that? Do you know how a winnowing fork works? I love this. Um, I had sort of forgotten about how you, I'm, a, I'm not exactly a farmer that uses a winnowing fork, so it's not a, an image I keep every day. But you know how that works. You go on the threshing floor, and it's designed to grab a bundle of the harvest, and they would throw it up in the air, and the wind would take away the chaff and blow it away while the good seed would fall on the threshing floor for use. Isn't that a great picture? In other words, the wind, you can't make this up. That's not coincidence. It's the wind that, that tears off the chaff and removes it to the side to be burned, to pass through the fire. So make no mistake, you know, the presence of God, um, Jesus also said, how does the Prince of Peace say, I come not to bring peace, the Prince of Peace, I came to bring a sword, what is that? He talks about families will be split apart. Churches will be split apart. Why? Because the presence of God is only a pleasant and sought-after thing for those who are in submission to the government of the kingdom. <laughs> if you want to be your own God, and I mean even subconscious, look, these words sting me as they dribble out of my own mouth, okay? I... I struggle with my own idolatry. I want my own government far, far too much of the time. But let me tell you something. The presence of God is a fearful thing when not in submission. Because nothing can, nothing can compete with the authority of the presence of God. Now, for the one in submission, it is the only thing to be desi desired. His presence upon. Amen? In fact, one of the things I've been saying is we cannot witness to the goodness of the Father's heart without that presence upon. You're not good enough. <laughs> you don't have enough power or authority or ability or intelligence or good looks. <laughs> you don't have enough to witness to the goodness of the Father, of, of the heart of the Father without the power and authority of the courts upon without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We just don't bring enough to the game. <laughs> That's right, the humbleness. We're going to talk about humbleness this morning. Um, I've already gone way off the rails here, though, so let me see. Um, do you know, I'm going to have to do one more thing here, and then I'm going to skip a whole bunch. Um, you know you're called, in the government of God, you are called to play three roles. Every single one of us. Now, we may have uniqueness, not we may, you do have uniqueness to your calling. You have particular anointing for particular things, and we're going to go there in this series. But every single one of us is called to play three roles in the government of God. And um, do you all know what they are? Priest, prophet, and king. That's right. That's right. And why are those your three roles? That's Jesus' roles. That was the anointing of Jesus. And we've said in this series um, that you, you don't have an anointing similar to Jesus. You don't have part of his anointing. You are called into his life. In other words, you have exactly his anointing. So you are called to be prophet, priest, and king. Today we're going to look at, um, because, because you're called to reign, right? You're, we've sang it this morning. You're seated with him. Why would you need to be seated with him? It's his game plan to bring heaven to earth. Dominion is on man. It was always his good plan. And so we have to understand how that anointing works. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about submission. Um, we are to be in submission to three things. I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> this morning. We're going to talk about one because I want you to come back next week and probably the following week. And if I tell you now, you probably won't even come back. So we're just going to focus on, on the first thing that we are to be submitted to if we are going to be a people that walk in the anointing of God. So to do that, I want you to um, turn with me to 1 Samuel 
chapter 15. You know, the other thing we've been saying while you're turning there in this series is that um, Jesus, I need to come up with a better way to say this, but he, he modeled the anointed life. He gave us something we could follow. And actually, I guess I do have to do this. I'm, I'm going, you know, the first thing Jesus does is submit to the Father. You know this. He submit, do you know he submits to the customs of his time? He, you know, he submits to people. Even in his baptism, when he received the anointing, he submitted to John the Baptist. John argued with him, and he said, no, permit that it be this way, because I'm setting up something that people are going to follow for the rest of eternity. And if you're going to follow him, he's going to set the example of submission to people. Submission to his mom. <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. He did. And it, what did it do? It saved weddings. And it, I'm, I'm convinced we have no idea the extent. We don't really have the recording of his submission to his mother. <laughs> we, we have a, an instance, don't we? <laughs> I, I'm going to stop now on that. I, I was going to name like 10 more things, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to save that. The weeks to come. So are you at 1 Samuel 15 now with me? Verse 10. Now, um, I'm going to introduce this a little bit. Um, Saul reigned 40 years. You know, that's the same period as the desert period, right? The wandering toward the promise. This story is about two anointed people. Now listen, I've told you last week, we're going to move into a competence in understanding anointing so we can actually be the people of anointing instead of have it be all weird and mysterious and not know how we enter that life, okay? To do that, we're going to look at, you know that the scriptures are loaded with real people that had real lives that were anointed people, both Old and New Testament, okay? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to require us to go and look at what's been provided because I believe that God wants us to, under, to understand. Not just be, be people that are crying out, Lord, anoint my life. I want your presence upon me. And we're just ever crying out and wondering why it never comes. Because the kingdom of God has ways, doesn't it? It says, um, Moses prays, the Lord, show me your ways. So we're going to look at, at the ways. This story is two anointed people, the, actually in two of the roles, the prophet Samuel and the prophet Saul. Okay, um, I'm sorry, let me try that again. Prophet Samuel and King Saul. So two roles, two anointed people, and, um, and let's watch what happens here. Verse 10, I'm starting. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. So we're about to see um, the lifting of authority from the government of God. And, and let me tell you this. This is happening in the context. They just went to war with, um, with Amalek. Okay, and God has given the victory into their hands. In fact, as he so often does, like in your life, he's announced your victory before you fully have it. You know that. That's how you sit there this morning. You have some victories behind you, but he's also announcing victory over everything. And how many of you have victory over everything this morning? Okay, he announces our victories before we have them. Now, they've walked into victory in this battle. He had specific commands for the king. In other words, what? What's the king? Is the one who is to reign in the authority of this government. You got it? It's not just to reign however you want. <laughs> and, and it's not for your glory. Remember, no, govern, no authority from government is for yourself. And even if true, or it's not supposed to be. And even if true in the world, then for sure true for the kingdom of God. Yes? So, so he's reigning as king, and he's gotten these instructions to completely destroy the place. Okay? Now let me read on to verse 11. Actually, I'm going to read it again. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back from following me, you hear disciple words, and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. So here's the 
anointed prophet. It's grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 12, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Now, i got to tell you the, the meanings of, I always have to look up the meanings of the of names of people and places. It's so revealing every time. You know that um, Carmel means fruitful or fruitful field. So he's gone, he's, what, what this just recorded for us, and I don't think it's a coincidence, is he's gone down from a fruitful place, he sets up a monument for himself, and then he moves on to Gilgal, which is, which is a name that means um, a whirlwind, or like, like a dust devil, which was a really destructive thing in their times, kind of like a mini tornado, is what this place is named after. You can make up your mind. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's the wind of the Spirit. He's gone to a place where the wind of the Spirit and, and wind in a destructive sense is, is where he's, go, he's headed to now after setting up um, this monument to self. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord! Exclamation point. <laughs> I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I think that's almost like the, the little, the emoji with the hands up. It's like he's, Samuel shows up after, just remember, it was just recorded that he's, he's wept all night. He's grieved all night. And he's going to have this meeting. And he shows up to Saul. Do you know what Saul means? It means um, significant one or sought after. That's what the name means. I'm significant or I'm sought after. Samuel shows up to Saul, and Saul declares, Blessed are you, Samuel. He's ready to celebrate this victory with Samuel. With, I mean, you know, you don't often see exclamation points <laughs> in the Word of God. There's one translated here. Verse 14, But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? Now, we just we have to slow down for just a second here this morning, okay? Um, do you know, do you realize as you sit there this morning that, that the fruit of our life is, um, let me try that again, the fruit of the condition of our heart is evident in our life. It's always easier when you, um, when you look at other people than it is to... To, to, to see on yourself. But let me tell you something. Um, we, we lie, we fool ourselves if we don't think our life screams the condition of our heart and whether we're living in submission to the government of God, whether we're living in obedience or not. In other words, Samuel says, you know, we're talking about um, physical things in these circumstances, um, in other words, what? There are, there are flocks of sheep, there are lowing oxen. They were supposed to destroy everything and not take anything. Samuel's declaring, um, I've done this great thing. Let's celebrate. We have that victory. And Samuel says, well, if that's the case, then why do I hear sheep? You know it had a smell. You can see the results of disobedience in the physical realm, and that's recorded here. You see it. You know, you see it all the time. You're in relationship with people and you watch what's going on in their lives and, and they, they may talk a good game, but you can look at their lives and you can see that the fruit of disobedience, it has a sound. It has things that you can look at and see. It has a smell. It is manifesting in this physical realm, the fruit of disobedience. I told you there was going to be hate mail. I'm just. <laughs> Verse 15, and Saul said, here's Saul's response. Um, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we've utterly destroyed. Do you know what he just did? Um, 
passed the, he, he passed the buck. It deflected. He made a religious excuse for his disobedience. I know you see that too. I see it all the time. I've had a week. I've had a month. Let me say, this month, I've seen this. Um, I'm losing count. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. We might as well be honest. The Lord knows everything that's going on anyway. I'm watching this. Um, and, and I don't, st- I, I, I said it's harder to see on your own life than it is to note it on other people's lives. I admitted that. I'm just telling you the bleeding of the sheep and then the, and the religious excuse, the same people who are coming with this, with this wonderful talk of what they'd like to do for the kingdom of these religious reasons for their decisions and, and the way that they're thinking is a shutdown of the Lord's anointing. They, there is actually religious excuse for what is obvious disobedience in their life the whole time they're speaking these words like Saul is speaking these words you can see smell hear the sounds of disobedience over a family over over an individual's life over decisions they're making over issues and matters in their life and they're the same people that are thinking I want to do great things for the kingdom of God which for that we need what the anointing, the presence of God upon, because your flesh can do nothing for him. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. (laughs) I love that line. How many of you are blessed enough to have people in your life where they'll actually come and go, shut up. (laughs) Thank God for those people that um, when I'm an idiot, God's provided people in my life that I can submit to and they can come and go, just be quiet and listen to what I have to say, which is what he says. He says, be quiet and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And uh, Saul says, speak on. Now here it is, verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Coming up in future messages, we're going to talk about Paul. You know, he started with the same name. That means significant one, sought after. And he became Paul. You all know what Paul means. Little. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head over the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And verse 18, okay. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. So what's he doing? He's repeating, and this is leading us. Listen now. He's repeating in the anointing of the prophet. He's repeating the words God spoke over Saul's life. The words of the government of the kingdom that have been spoken to him are being repeated to him until they're utterly consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And I'll tell you something. There's, there's, um, I'm, gonna, I'm just feeling so powerfully to do a couple of things. Um, the first thing is, is I'm just going to give you gold. You ready? If you're a note taker, grab a pen. Do you know that submission, let me try this again. Help me, Lord. Do you know that the opportunity to submit is exactly that? It's an opportunity. An opportunity for what? To choose. Yes. It's an opportunity for obedience. And let's take that a step further. The way it works in God's ways in the government of his kingdom is that the way we transform into a greater temple of the Holy Spirit, in, in, other, words, in other words, a place that can receive great anointing for the authority to reveal the Father's heart, the way it works in the kingdom is he gives an opportunity to submit. 
Um, I think it was the last message. It might have been the one before we talked about the cup of your anointing, right? Every anointing has cup. Well, I want to tell you, we're talking partially about that. When, when we pray, Lord, grant greater anointing upon me. I want to carry the authority of your kingdom. I want to be an ambassador. I want to represent that government. And I want to do it with power and authority. When we pray that, do you know what he says? Do you know how he responds? He says, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to submit to something, someone, somewhere. This morning we're talking about submission to literally the voice of the Lord, the rhema voice of the Lord. Now listen, I know that these words to Saul, um, they're now printed in our Bible. So I get it. But please stop and recognize that when they were first spoken, they were spoken as a living word to Saul. They're just recorded now. They were God's word to Saul. You know, he's speaking words over your life. And that is the, the first thing of the three things that you have to submit to if you're going to be a person of anointing. Those words are literally the orders of the government of the kingdom that come to you. And when we press them aside, wait, do you see what I'm going to, I'm excited because I know what I'm going to tell you already, but um, what's in the story, um, when we minimize or push aside the words of God, we are pushing off the anointing that he wants to grant. Do you know that the word of God makes it clear? And I, I can't go there because I don't have the time, but you'll think of these scriptures. It makes it clear that when you ask for the Holy Spirit, his answer is always yes. So um, what's the problem with the anointing on the church then? What's the problem? If his answer is yes, I'm going to tell you we have a real submission problem. We're in a very prideful culture. In America right now. Submission is a foreign concept to us. And I think before we're done, over the next several Sundays, some, there are going to be some things from the Word of God that shock you about what He's asking you to submit to if we're going to be the people of anointing. But first is the Word of God, which is, which is where we are here. I'm, I want you to go, keep your finger there, because we are going to keep reading in that story. Um, but I want you to go to Psalm 16. Let's see, who's, um, who is Saul going to be replaced with? David. The anointing is going to pass to David. In fact, before this passage is over, um, the Lord, I'm just, I'll just put this out there now, the Lord says this anointing, this king anointing is going to pass to someone better than you. That's a stinger, isn't it? It's not translated very well, and I'm going to show you, but, but that, that'll work for now. The anointing, do you know anointing passes? We're going to talk about that too. Here, this is the person that the anointing passes to, and I want you to contrast the heart here, okay? Verse 5 says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Do you see the connection between inheritance and cup is even here in the heart of David in the psalm? You're my portion and inheritance. In other words, what? Not other riches. What was Saul doing? Why did he keep the sheep and oxen? It's not the, re it's not the reason he said, because they're going to make sacrifices to the Lord. That was religious excuse to make himself feel better. What did he really keep the sheep and the oxen for? Greed, wealth. In other words, what? It was to hold power for himself as opposed to, to receive all power from the government of God, from submission to that authority. And here, here, this is a heart that says, you're the portion of my inheritance and my cup. He says, and then just next, you maintain my lot. You see, I'm going to tell you that um, I, I believe, in fact, I don't just believe it. It's recorded. We're about to read it. It was fear that made Saul error against his own anointing, against the presence of God upon him. It was fear. He kept those sheep, those oxen, out of fear. He wasn't trusting the Lord to maintain the lot. By submission to the government of God and the anointing upon, he was beginning to take up a role to do it for himself. Does anybody do that besides me sometimes? 
<laughs> Do we hold on to responsibility that we can't hold anyway? Burdens we can't carry anyway. And let fear begin to rule instead of you maintain my lot, God. Now verse 6 says, the lines, this is David, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. What lines are we talking about? We're talking, say, boundaries, and specifically boundaries of inheritance. For them, inheritance was all about land. It was all about territory. And so he's talking about the boundaries of the inheritance of the land. Which land? All land? The land that God wanted to give them. <laughs> his lines have fallen in pleasant places. Why? His lines are God himself. His line, his portion, his inheritance is God. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Ooh, I'd like to preach on that, but I'm not. We're going to go to verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Do you know how crazy this statement is? Did you catch the words? Watch this. What is this? He set the Lord before him. What does that mean? In other words, it's his preference. He prefers it. To, that's how they use that figure of speech. To set the Lord before you is is to stake your life on it and say, this is my preference. I, I ever look at, I look at that before I look at anything else. It's, um, you can't tempt me with anything else. I said, I prefer the presence of God above all. And then, and then he says, because he, speaking of the Lord, is at my right hand, um, I shall not be moved. Do you catch the reversal of that? That's a crazy thing to say. He's saying the Lord is at his right hand. Where did Jesus sit down? At the right hand of the Father. It's a figure of speech that means it's like at your disposal. Well, doesn't that sound a lot like John 15 that we did last week? That your, what? Your joy would be full because... You're powerful, and your prayers are answered. The powerful, effective presence of God. In other words, in other words you, you are seated. You are positioned in a place where you can literally call on God, and he can give you anything you desire. That's what this is. The Lord's at my right hand. It almost makes me go, ooh, I feel a little weird reading those words out loud. <laughs> And yet this is the heart of the, anointed, of, of the anointed David who very much ruled for the glory of God and had, and had that kind of a relationship. Why? Because he's completely in the, in the submission, not at all points, okay? He was, he was a man. Um, but he was completely in submission to the government of the kingdom to the extent that he could say, the Lord's at my right hand. In other words, David lived seasons of his life where his joy was full because whatever he desired was done. That's the anointing of a king. That is your anointing. It is what God wants to give you, but the door is submission. I need to read on verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. You see, that, that's John 15 too, isn't it? My heart is glad. Why is his heart glad? The Lord's at his right hand. You've got to be kidding me. The Lord's at his right hand. And his glory rejoices. In other words, do you know what you have to offer God? Glory, right? Do you know that you can't offer anything you don't have? <laughs> that's why the word of God um, in Corinthians somewhere says we're moving from glory to glory to glory because God wants to give you something to offer back. He wants to make you into one who can represent. He, David says, my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Now listen to this. In, in your presence is fullness of joy. 
This is a guy who knows John 15 long before it's written. <laughs> In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's a, did you see that? Yeah, the Lord's at my right hand, and he understands himself to be at the Lord's right hand. And do you know that, um, that you are supposed to want pleasures? You are. It's, it's Gnosticism. It's, we've, we've got this idea in our heads that, that our good, good father is not a father that wants to shower you with the pleasures. But look, it was David's last statement. It was Paul's first heart inclination. It was David's last statement. David began, begins with, the Lord is my portion. He ends with, when, when that is the condition of the heart, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy is full. Dominion, power, and authority are full. What you desire, you get. Now, we, we said, I got to say, since everybody may not see the last message, let me just clarify. It doesn't say you can desire whatever you want. <laughs> it says when you have this alignment under the government of God, what you desire will be right, and so therefore, you can have whatever you want. Ask my Father anything in my name, and it will be yours. Okay, I want you to go... Um, back to verse 20, 1 Samuel uh, 15, 20. And we're just going to continue in the story here. I'm trying to leave time for ministry. Here, and Saul said to Samuel, <laughs> Saul says to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. Do you know what can deceive you more than anything else on the planet? In fact, it's, it's a scripture somewhere. I wish I knew where it was at the moment, but somebody said it. Your own heart <laughs> will deceive you more than anything else. Do you notice what he's saying? He's saying, I obeyed the voice of the Lord, and without, in the same sentence... Without a dividing period, he says, and I brought back Agag, king of Amalek. He's in a place, I want to tell you, I, I don't think, um, let me say it like this. He's in a place where um, he is not capable of seeing his own deception. I've obeyed the Lord, and let me tell you what I just did that is complete disobedience. the theft of anointing. I have, he, he goes on, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, you didn't. You just said you brought back the king. <laughs> but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Do you realize, in other words, do you know what he's doing? And now listen to me. Listen, um, he is literally saying that his plan here in the deception of his heart is that he's going to offer as sacrifice the fruit of disobedience. And I invite you to meditate on that if you think you can stand it because I believe that our lives are full of that. Lord, I've got something to offer you. It's, it's not in obedience to the word of the Lord over our life. It's plunder that we've taken from a kingdom that, that was not something he meant to bless with. It was not something he ever said to partake in. But we arrange our lives to, to live in the midst of this plunder. And we think material because we're Americans. And believe me, that counts. But um, I'm talking about all kinds of things. I'm talking about issues of the heart. We arrange our lives to, to hang on to a wealth that is nothing God ever meant us to have. And we have religious justification to say, no, this is a good thing because I'm going to offer it to the Lord. I'm going to offer the fruit of disobedience as a sacrifice to the Lord. And then we go, how come we are so impotent in, in the realm of anointing, in our ability to show the goodness of the Father? Why do we have so many sick among us? Why do we have people bound in the demonic bondage of this warfare and we can't seem to break it? 
We can't take them out of that darkness. Lord, why, why are we so absent of anointing? And I tell you, we read this story, a story like this of Saul, and, and we leave it over here. We don't enter into the story. We don't think we are Saul. <laughs> I, I just, I invite you, um, meditate as if, because I want to tell you, until we're perfected, because we see him as he is, we have, we have Saul in here. We have significant sought after one is in here. And we have our own agendas running. While we wonder why, why we cry out Sunday after Sunday and say, Lord, will you pour out your anointing? We want to witness to this world. We want your glory to be on display. We want to be the ones. And why does that never come about? We have, we have Saul within. We have the significant one running a different government, not in submission to the government of the courts of heaven. Yeah. Is it a good time to put the, the email address up on the screen? <laughs> I include myself. Every time you feel a sting, I feel it. Now watch this. Here's the real gold. You ready? Verse 22, so Samuel said, "Has um, this, this is worded weird and I don't know why, so I'm going to try to read it right. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Listen, the first of three things, if you're going to become a person of great anointing, to walk in power and authority, I'm going to be one. The first thing you've got to get is, is you have to understand that it is, it is obedience to the words that have been given to you is what's going to walk you into great anointing in your life. Now, here comes the hard part. Verse 23, Samuel is now prophesying. Do you know up to this point, Samuel has been having a conversation with Saul as an anointed person. Do you know if you're an anointed person, the conversations you have with people are anointed? <laughs> Did you know that? So I don't mean to minimize that, but here he is beginning to prophesy from an anointing. He's speaking the very words of God now, and he said that are recorded in other places in Scripture. And he says, Samuel says to Saul, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know that the root of the word rebellion is actually bitterness? It's a word that means Acting or being entrapped in bitterness is rebellion. And witchcraft, do you know what witchcraft is? It's seeking power and authority, um, the ability to execute from a source other than God. That's all witchcraft is. So listen, if I was, if I was to go around the room this morning and go, um, do you engage in witchcraft? You'd go, oh, of course not, Right? like such, such horrible evil. Well, what if I was to go around and go, do you ever find yourself because of your own fears, your own woundedness, your own feeling of lack, do you ever find yourself going around trying to seek authority, ability, influence, magic from things other than God? This word from the Lord is for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I mean, I think you could insert just about anything. Anything you rely on, horses and chariots would be a scriptural one, but um, money, influence. Do you know that influence can be witchcraft and idolatry when not in submission to the government of God? It will destroy the desire to have influence um, will we'll destroy, will chase off the presence of God, will be the theft of anointing faster than anything you can think of. Goes on and says, now here, here's where it gets good. You ready for this? And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. That's a weird translation. Iniquity and idolatry are actually one word in the original language. They're, it's like, melded together so it's in other words idolatry being being in a family line the culture of a family of idolatry 
And this says that stubbornness, you know what stubbornness means? It means to dole down or peck at. Now track with me. If um, Really focus here because this is so important. It says, and stubbornness to dole down or peck at as the iniquity or as the idolatry that follows a family. This stubbornness. You can probably see it in your families either immediately or, or your extended family, go ahead and think family because iniquity is a family word. Um, it can be in a church because we're a family, right? It can be in an immediate family like your biological family. But um, this is to dole down peck at. Dole down peck at what? It's in the next line because you have rejected the word of the Lord. You know what that is? Actually, let me finish reading. This is the result. He also has rejected you from being king. What does that mean? He's rejected the anointing, the present, the effective presence of God upon. Why? Because of the doling down and pecking at the word of the Lord. Yeah, ow, okay, you can put it up now. Um, in other words, taking what is the very real word of the Lord to you and, and dulling it down until, it's, until you like it. That's what Saul did. He went and executed most of what the Lord told him to do, didn't he? He went and established a great victory for Israel. Do you know what it, um, the word Israel means? It means to rule as God. That's literally what it means, to rule as God. It's... Um, it's God's game plan, but it's, it's going to be a game plan in submission to, to, the, to the government of heaven. And that is impossible when the word that issues from heaven is doled down and pecked at until it's something we like. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, wow. <clears throat> Now, um, what do I want to say? I want to return to this idea, and then I'm going to wrap, okay? Something I've already said. Um, when God... Um, do this for me. Raise your hand if you desire greater anointing on your life. Greater presence of God. Everybody in the room. That's awesome. I would have been okay with it if somebody was like, geez, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Um, if you desire that, you are asking for opportunities to submit. Why? He loves you that well. We began this morning talking about the presence of God is a wonderful, sweet thing to one in submission to God in submission to the word of God, to the government of the kingdom. It is a horrible thing for someone who's not in that submission. So listen, he's not going to smite you with his presence. <laughs> he's going to grow you into a temple that can hold that weight of glory. Do you know how you get there? Submission. He'll give you opportunity to submit. And when you fail it, He's so good, he loves you so much and treasures you so much that he'll say, I'm not going to give you that anointing right now. I'll give you another opportunity. And then we cry out, Lord, I want your anointing. And he says, okay, I've got a great opportunity for you to submit. <laughs> That's how it works. I'm just telling you, I've seen it in my own life. I, I, just, I stand here convicted because I should be walking in far greater anointing than I have this morning as I stand here. Which means what? I've had, I've had, I have squandered opportunities to submit in my life. He's going to put his anointing on those who have a heart that yearns to submit. And this morning we're only talking about one area, submission to the word of God spoken to you. Do you know what's required in order to submit to the word of God spoken to you? 
a word of God spoken to you, <laughs> right? Now, it sounds funny, but I want to tell you, this, that is as serious as anything we've said this morning. If you're sitting there today and you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know, is he, does he speak anything to me? Am I spoken to? <laughs> is there a word to submit to? I want to tell you, you're in a very dangerous place. And it is so important for you to have the word of God spoken to you. And I'm talking about from him in an intimate relationship. If you don't have a word that you're holding, you're in a terrible place. I mean, at, at the very least, in the context of today's message, it puts you in a place where you don't have what's required to submit to, to walk into the greatness of your anointing, his plan for you, the destiny he has for you. He means for us to be a people of anointing such that um, his word is literally all we hold on to. The word you've spoken to me, Lord. I was going to go into that this morning, but it looks like that'll be next week because I, I didn't even get a third of the way here. But um, we're going to look at people who held the word. That, that was all they had. They didn't have anything else. The Lord spoke this word to me. I live by it. I'll do anything. I'll be beaten, flogged, persecuted, imprisoned. Who am I talking about? Paul and the rest of them. You see, that's a heart that can be a temple that can hold a weight of glory that can have anything he asks for. And that's what's recorded in the book of Acts. <laughs> we have a pride problem in our culture, in our church, in our churches, in our families. We have an agenda problem. Submission to the word, to the word of God. So submission to the government of the kingdom of God through the word spoken to us is the only way we're going to walk into what we read about in here. Uh-oh. I'm going to finish reading this really quick. Verse 24. Um, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words. Listen, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And i tell you something. No matter what, you are always obeying a voice. Always. You're always obeying some voice, whether you know it or not. The only question is, are you obeying the voice of the Lord, putting you in submission to the government of his kingdom, or are you yielding to another kingdom? Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away. Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. We read words from David, the person that the Lord is saying better. Um, actually, I think, I'm, I think I'm supposed to leave it there. Um, Next week <laughs> is going to be really uplifting <laughs> because we're going to look at anointed people who have the opposite heart, who hung on the words. And in fact, but there's, there's difficult, I'm just warning you, okay? Brace yourselves, draw close to the Lord because we're going to stay on this, this matter of submission. The greatest barrier, we sang about bringing down walls, the greatest barrier that we have today to having the presence of God powerfully upon is lack of submission in our culture, period. So there's, there's a repentance here. Church, you be, do you want to be the church that brings the revival we were praying for as we worshiped this morning 
in those lyrics. If we're going to be them, we're going to be a church that comes to grips with the pride of life, that comes to grips with where we're running our own government and we're acting like we're in obedience to the word of the Lord while we're in a half obedience like we just read about with Saul. And I don't know about you, but I want to go. <laughs> I don't want to have half obedience or half anointing anymore. And we're all going together. So, I mean, can we do this together? It's a, it's a, it begins with an attitude of repentance that starts right here. There is nothing but the word of the Lord to hang our hat on. And I mean the word he speaks to you. If, you don't, if you're not holding one, you need to go seek with him. He is waiting for you to seek. He promised, I guess I'm not finished preaching. <laughs> he promises that he is available for those that seek and seek with all their heart. He promises that word to you so that you have something to cling to and be obedient to so that the presence can come upon in that measure. Yes? Amen? Should we pray? Yeah, come on up here. I don't know what's going to happen. Thank you, Blake. Um, how do you guys want to pray? Okay. Okay. Father, we thank you that you, you honor us. <laughs> that you, you picked us to be the place of your glory. You picked us to hold your anointing. And, uh, and we want to repent this morning. We want to change our mind. We need a miracle for you to change our mind. We need you to help us lay down our pride. We need, to, we need you to help us smash our own government so that we can join your government without reserve. We are... Uh, we are sorry for the things that we treasure over obedience to your voice in our life. But we also know that repentance is not feeling sorry about it. Repentance is having a mind change. And so we need your miracle, Lord. We're asking you to change our minds. We're asking you to, to break the bondages that our, our culture, our society has grown us up in a culture where we where we treasure things, we, can, we think we can seize our own power, and we're asking you to work the miracle in us to help us lay it down and put, and put all that down. We don't want to value anything. We want to set you before us, Jesus, our King. We want you to be our preference over anything else. We prefer your presence we prefer your presence over anything else that can be offered. And we're sorry for the iniquity of influence in our families, for, for even passing that to our children, and we don't even know we're doing it. We're passing an idolatry of, of holding influence and, and power and, and, and worldly wealth and and uh, we're just we're ate up in it, and so we lay it before you. We know that we don't have the ability to free ourselves. We know that it is your miracle that would have to completely change our mind into an, into a mind that can hold your glory. And I thank you, Lord, that when um, that I know you well enough to testify of you right now that when, when we make a prayer like this, this is one of those prayers that is aligned with your heart. So we can ask whatever we desire. And we desire that. We desire your presence to fall so heavy on this place that the weight of your glory would be so heavy that it would be limitless. And that's, I know, Lord, that's a prayer you can answer. That is your heart. I ask you, Lord, 
for a great openness. Would you work a miracle of openness of heart so that as we move forward in the next several messages, in other words, as we cry out to position ourselves for your anointing, that um, you would grant the miracle of, of openness in our spirit, openness in our heart protect us. I command in the name of Jesus that every evil spirit that would cause us to, to continue to be offended by this, this word of freedom that is being spoken, the freedom to obey, the freedom to submit. I command every spirit that is opposed to that and wants to set up a fence and division and discord over this body of Christ, you've got to get out now in the authority of the name of Jesus and you are not allowed to come back. The unity of the spirit will be here. Holy Spirit, we invite you um, in this church. We invite you in our homes, in our business, businesses in our families and I'm breaking off in the name of Jesus right now I'm breaking off the the bondage of division